Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Right? Now, for Bishop so loved the people of God that he picked out a man and sent him to become a man of God here in Columbus, Ohio. This person is the reason you and I are here. He is a writer. He is a poet. He is a playwright. He is an accomplished businessman. He is an accomplished professor of the word of God. He is somebody who is deeply steeped in the word of God. I say it because I am a testimony to what the Lord is doing with his life. Oh, I don't know why you're still sitting. I have no idea. We have in the building with us the general overseer of the Raccoon Diocese. We have with us the founder of this branch of Kodesh Family Church International. I don't know why you're not making some noise right now. still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence your promise still stands your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness has he been faithful to you? Still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never, your promise still stands. Your promise, Jesus, your promise. It is so. You be faithful. You be faithful. You be faithful. I'm still in your I'm still in your hands This is my confidence It never fails I know the sheep of the mighty winds Like the rushing of the mighty winds Come and feel our hearts Come and feel 
That is a river that has to flow like a river. That is overflow just like a river, like a river. That is overflow. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we stand on holy ground. We want to acknowledge you. We want to honor you this afternoon. And we invite your Holy Spirit to come and administer your supreme purpose and will in our midst. Thank you for your great power that you have displayed oh god thank you for the power of your redemption thank you father for resurrection power thank you Father, for the power to establish us on strong foundations thank you that no matter what is thrown out in the world the church will stand strong and we will not be shaken we will not be moved for even if there is a mountain you move mountains thank you that in christ jesus we are a strong people we are strong people that survive the times thank you that our faith in you is not a fly by night a, a night day wonder we are an established people and we our roots go deep in christ in the name of jesus we give you praise thank you lord for blessing our time together and causing us to embrace your commissioning to embrace your desire to embrace your agenda and in the end you shall have the glory in the name of jesus hallelujah amen wow, wow. you may take your seats in the presence of the lord Hallelujah. Amen. It's great to be home. Amen. Amen. Bishop, Bishop Abby said every pastor deserves home support. I believe I have some support today. Full support. Full support. Hallelujah. Amen. You are all welcome. And um, we are going to continue from where we left off yesterday. Wow. Uh, yesterday we were talking about um the prophetic destiny of the church hallelujah and we try to we try to emphasize that um we need to be on board with what god is doing and then we said that there is no middle ground there is two streams or two agendas and two lines that every human being on the planet you will fall under one of the two hallelujah 
we said there's two cities that people are building. There are two cities. What are the two cities? The city of what? Babylon and the city of God or the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And everybody is going to end up in one of those two cities. And then we also talk about two women. Hallelujah. There is the, the whole of the book of Revelation 17 and there is the bride of Christ. And the mystery of it is that in the same way that Christ said that you should let the wheat and the tares grow together. Amen. Amen. So even in the church, I can guarantee you, not everybody has completely left Babylon. Amen. Amen. But God is patient. God is a good God. He's a patient God and he has time. The Bible says in the book of James that the husband's man waits patiently for the fruit of the earth. Hallelujah. But God's final intent is what he, he said through the Apostle John. Come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Hallelujah. Because the end of Babylon is already prophesied. And when I say Babylon, you know, I remember when we were at the University of Ghana, people used to call London Babylon. When they are going to job in London, so we are going to Babylon. So Babylon in today's current terms, it's not necessarily a particular single city. Amen. Amen. But it is referring to the world system. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a system of the world, which the apostle called the mystery of iniquity. There is a system that is in play, which I said is an evil, insidious system. Ominous. Evil. That permeates through all the human systems. It works through government circles. It works through economic circles. It works through social systems. It works through family systems. And what Satan is desiring is that in the end, you will remain in the city of Babylon and the Babylonian world system. But when God designed the church, the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, on this, I will build my church. Hallelujah. So, your invitation to join the church and to be part of the program of God is your invitation to escape the corruption of Babylon. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible said we are in the world, but we are not of the world. God is not calling us to become spirit beings who are oblivious or cannot relate to earthly matters. Amen. Amen. I mean, God is not saying that he's going to make us like you are a spirit. You, your, your foot doesn't touch the ground and you are just floating in the air. No. You are still a human being here. But even as we are here, you have to remember that you, are, you don't belong to the kingdoms of this world. And that type of way of thinking is what God has been trying to do and emphasize in the church. That the whole agenda of the church is to train us to escape the evil deception of Satan and his kingdom and to reorient the way we live for the kingdom of God to come in the earth. What they taught us, pray our Father who is in heaven. What's the next line? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Hallelujah. And when the kingdom of God is coming, it comes first in the hearts of his people. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? And so, God is giving us a great privilege 
to participate in something powerful he's doing. And we have the benefit of he showing us how the end is going to look like. And so when you are part of it, you see, it is, it is just as there is an evil system in play. God is also secretly also working behind the scenes using the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Using the power of the Holy Spirit to design and counteract the work of the devil. You see, the good news is that the devil doesn't have full access. And the devil doesn't have absolute power. Amen. He has some power, but he does not have absolute power. The devil has an agenda, but the good news about God is that God always sees two, three steps ahead of the devil. Everything the devil is plotting, God has already seen the end of it, and God will counteract it. Amen. Amen. And so, if you belong to the church of Jesus Christ, you belong to something great and powerful, something that is going to end up in a good way. If you back the wrong horse, you are going to lose your money. Those who do gambling with a horse racing. Amen. Sometimes you can see a horse that looks strong with a lot of different flowery colors and maybe the rather looks uh, good looking to you and you put your money there. No. It doesn't go by how it looks. The church sometimes looks weak. When Christ hung on the cross, by the time Christ was dying on the cross, it appeared that his kingdom, it appeared that his agenda has ended. It appeared that it has everything has completely ended with all that he came out to do. Hallelujah. He looked like a loser. And they laughed at him. And they called him names. And they said, you are the one who said you are going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Now look at you. You can't even save yourself. Hallelujah. They called him. They, they, they said, you are the one who, 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 who said you are going to save the world. Now save yourself and let us see. You say you are the son of God. Descend from the cross. So you see that the way God does things is that he starts from something that looks weak. Hallelujah. His disciples had all run away. Only John and the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and, and Salome and Joanna. This, this other, I mean, only one name of one male apostle is mentioned. Apostle John. The rest had run away. So something that you started in three and a half years that you have invested your life in, it has come to an end. But Jesus knew that's not the end of it all. Hallelujah. Are, are you with me? The Roman governor who supervised the killing of Jesus and washed his hands and said, Eke homo, which is, behold the man. Here is the man. Go do whatever you wish with him. That Roman governor, my son was telling me that he, he ended up, I think, committing suicide. Amen. Amen. Pilate. Herod too didn't end up well. The people that appears to be winning today, they are going to be the losers. But if you stake yourself in the agenda of God and the plan of God, you will win in the end. Amen. By the time, maybe, um, what do you call it? 30, not, not even 30 years after Christ died, the Christian gospel that they thought they were silencing his voice by killing him, it has spread through the whole Roman Empire. And by 300 AD, by 313 AD, the whole Roman Empire caved and the, the emperor himself said, you know what, I myself am a Christian. He, he confessed Christ. Hallelujah. And so, and so, don't allow the attractiveness and how sometimes the church looks weak. Everything that God is doing starts weak. Hallelujah. It's just like a baby that is forming in the womb. It, it, it is so weak and doesn't have a say so much so that people feel like Okay, if I don't want this one, I can, I can get rid of it. Hallelujah. But one of those babies one day will become the president. Will become the ruler. Amen. Amen. So we are going to talk about mighty foundations. That's my topic. 
mighty foundations. Hallelujah. Because, you see, as you are talking about the city of God, because we all agree that we don't want to be part of the city of Babylon. Is there anybody here who wants to be part of the city of Babylon? Nobody wants to be part of the city of because it doesn't end well. The city of God, the Bible said, Abraham and the patriarchs, the Bible said they looked for a city whose what maker and builder is God. They looked for a city. I wanted to look for a city whose maker and builder is God. Amen. And this city is going to be made up of buildings. And buildings need a foundation. Hallelujah. And Jesus said that, you know, two people went out to build. He said that one of them built on the foundation of sand. Amen? Amen. And, then, and then another one built their house on the foundation of what? Of rock. And then what came after the building? The storm came. The strong winds came. And the rainstorm came. You see, the rainstorm will come on all. But the only way you can tell who has built the right way is the type of foundation that was used. Hallelujah. And so the, the, the one that built on sand, I'm sure they finished building very, very quickly because, you know, I mean, first of all, sand is cheap, cheaper than rock and stones. Amen. And then, easy to dig. It, it wouldn't take so long to, to get your foundation going. And so when people come to inspect, they will look at the one building on a rock. Say, so you've been here a long time. We haven't seen, my, I mean, what have you been doing? Amen. The house is taking so long to, to, to rise because a lot is going into the foundation and in the end you do not see the foundation hallelujah Amen. i mean as we are in this this building there's a foundation but you don't see it and the danger that people have is that because you don't see it you may not think it's important enough to invest the appropriate stuff into it a lot of your life is what hidden things amen a lot of things in your life is hidden things but it is not the visible things that matter. There are a lot of hidden things that do matter. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? Mighty foundations. Let's look at this series of scriptures. Psalms 11 and verse 3. Psalm 11 and verse 3. We want to have ourselves in a mighty, strong foundation. The Bible says, if the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? Hallelujah. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So you see, first of all, you need a good foundation. And a good foundation will never be destroyed. You and I are called the righteous. And if we don't have a strong foundation as a church, and you don't have a strong foundation as a Christian, there's not much you can do. Because everything you are doing, you are building it upon your foundation. Hallelujah. When you send children to school, there are things they are supposed to cover when they are in nursery school, in kindergarten, in first grade. In fact, recently, maybe a couple of years ago, the State of Ohio instituted what they call the third grade guarantee. Hallelujah. Yeah. The many know of the third grade guarantee. What, 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 what is it? Ah, uh, <laughs> nice try, nice try. <laughs> the third grade guarantee is a reading criteria that the state is saying that by the time you finish third grade you must be able to read at a certain rate and have comprehension at a certain rate they didn't used to have it amen and unless you pass it they say that you can't go to fourth grade so that everyone in ohio who finishes third grade 
must have a certain minimum standard of ability to read text and understand not only speed but also comprehension hallelujah that my brother is the third great guarantee hallelujah amen because you see if you cannot read and understand and they send you to fourth grade and by the time you got to middle school and high school there's a lot of things you cannot you cannot what you call flow because it is a foundation it is an important foundation hallelujah Amen. so if the foundation be destroyed what can the righteous do this type of the this type of uh, question is a what do you call it what they call a rhetorical question when they say what can the righteous do it is implied that the righteous cannot do anything hallelujah let's look at another foundation we are talking about foundations second look at second timothy 2 and verse 19 second timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 we are talking about mighty foundations mighty foundations don't just look at something that is attractive don't just look at something that actually looking good look at the foundation of it if you have a a mother with a daughter and um, daughter is adolescent or early adult and the daughter brings brings somebody home and the person is in their early 20s and is driving what's the most expensive car a Maybach Mercedes Maybach hallelujah so somebody who is 2019 that your daughter brought home is driving a Mercedes Maybach amen I mean, the, the mother is going to say, what does he do? What does his parents do? Is this his own car or is he driving his father's car? Amen. But you see, there are also, there are also some, some mothers who don't think too deeply as to the source of things. Do you get it? And, and, and they are just so happy. And especially when the guy comes, before he leaves, he brings out a big fat something. This is something for the future mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are doing well. It's like, like uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Ohio. Somebody says Ohio means a higher. It's like we are doing well. So, f- for somebody who thinks very deeply, say, ah, but you just met the, this person. Okay, so let's even say that she, he just brought somebody with a, an expensive car. But then the next day, or the next few days, the person say, oh, I've bought a car for you. I've bought a car. When did you meet this person? Where did he get the money from? So, so you need to think deeply and say, okay, what is the foundation? Because you see, okay, a mother wants the best for her daughter and wants the, the her to live well. But is this something that the next day or the next two days, your daughter is going to be arrested because there's a drug something. This whole thing may be a drug business that he's related to. The foundation is weak. The foundation is bad. The foundation is not true. It looks glamorous and nice, but it doesn't have a long-lasting foundation. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Hallelujah. The solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Hallelujah. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. The Bible is saying that God knows that God is the solid foundation. So the starting point for you as a part of the city of God, you are like a stone. You are one stone, another stone, another stone together is making the building. Hallelujah. But if you are building, you want good material to build with. Hallelujah. And the Bible is saying that the, the, the foundation of God stands sure. 
the foundation of God stands sure. Let those who what? Name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So the starting point of having a, a, a solid foundation is that if you say you are for Christ, if you say you are a believer, God is not confused. Have you heard that some people say that you can deceive a few people at a time? You can deceive some of the people all the time, but you cannot deceive all the people all the time. But let's take it higher. The Bible is saying that God knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord God knows. So you see, as you are talking about a mighty foundation, the starting point of this discussion is that you, as a Christian, you need to be very clear who you stand for. Hallelujah. You need to be very clear as a Christian that I am a Christian and I have made this decision that I will work with Christ. Hallelujah. You cannot stand in in front of the uh, 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 church and and, then you cannot uh, make a vow to somebody that I will will give you my life. Give give your life. I, 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 I will live like I'm talking about a marital vow. That you are you are saying it in front of the whole church, and you are saying that I will uh, of all the people in the world, I choose you, amen. amen. And then two weeks later, you see a, 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 a lady that is very beautiful, and you say, "Oh man, I mean, if only I had waited for two weeks, I mean, I, I, I think I made a mistake." So it's like the vows that you said don't mean anything, amen. Are you listening to me? Because you see, the thing about choosing a spouse is that when you choose, when you marry, you are not only choosing that person. What else are you doing? You are not the one you are choosing this person, but what have you done to the rest of the world? You have rejected everybody else. Everybody is a reject. Amen. Hallelujah. And so you cannot be in your, and, and there are degrees. You cannot have it go through your mind. That I think I made a mistake. I mean, I, I, you know, Bishop, Bishop, somebody told Bishop Dan that they were praying for their spouse to die. Yes. Can you believe it? Because, you see, they know that as a Christian, once you are married, you, I mean, the, the divorce is not something we encourage. And, and the, person said, he said, the person said, as I have been praying, I've been praying uh, for the person to die. As, I've, as I keep praying, the person is getting stronger and stronger. <laughs> I said, God is not answering my prayer. Amen. The person is getting stronger and stronger. And, and actually, he said, what should I do? I mean, because unless this person goes, I am stuck. I have handcuffed myself. Amen. Look. It is better that you are single. That you are not, you don't have, what do you call it? Uh, an allegiance. You don't have, you know, I mean... Even on the date of the wedding, there is something we say. There's a charge that we read. That if you don't want to do it at that moment, you can walk away. Because once you enter, it has implications. It is not something to be taken, you know, flippantly. Yep. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said, that, Apostle Paul said that the marital vow is an analogy of our allegiance to Christ. Are you listening to me? So you cannot, you cannot, when there's no one there, Okay, you've traveled on work and then and then and then you meet somebody and it's like your spouse is not there, there's no one watching, and then you choose to follow uh, somebody. I mean, you, you are you are you listening to me? Like it is not 
it is not only when the person is there, even when the person is not there, because something, if somebody is, somebody is tempting you, something within you must say, no, I, I belong to somebody else. I, I have, I have made the decision that I, I belong to this person. Amen. 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 I heard the story about um, Saint Patrick, how, when after he was kidnapped by the Irish, at sixteen years of age, and, you know, they, at some point, um. He, he got closer to God. He was taking care of sheep. He was sold as a slave in Ireland at 16 years of age. And he didn't take God seriously before, before that. His father was a deacon. His grandfather was a priest. But he didn't take God seriously. But then after he was kidnapped and sold into slavery in, in Ireland and was taking care of sheep, during that time is when he, he got his faith renewed and he gave his life to Christ. Are you listening to me? And then he served as a shepherd boy for six, for six years. And one day he had an encounter. He had a vision that said that he should escape and go to uh, back home to England, where his parents were living. And so he escaped, not knowing where he was going, but he was just trusting God that God will show him how he's going to. First, he didn't even have the the fare for the ship. Amen. Amen. So he got to a place, and then there was a ship going to England. And he asked them, "Can you take me?" They said, uh, "Do you have the money?" He said, no, I have no money. He said, well, sorry, we cannot take you. But God said, I shall come. Well, we don't know what you're talking about. So, he turned to go, and as he was going, he knelt at the beach uh, where the ship was. He, he knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Lord, make a way for me. Then, immediately, the people flipped their fingers. Oh, you know what? Come along. Come along. They changed their mind. His prayer was answered immediately. Hallelujah. And then, and then, as they, 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 they took him, as he was just getting ready to board the ship, they said, you know what? There is one last thing we want you to do. We know you cannot pay. But we have this greeting that you have to do. And the greeting was a pagan greeting. A, a hidden something with what, certain words you have to say that are not, are not appropriate for a Christian to say. Hallelujah. Are you listening? I'm talking about having a deep commitment in your heart that if you are committed to Christ, even if no one is standing there, even if your pastor is or shepherd, even there's no one looking, you, de- you determine that I'll be faithful to God. Because the foundation of God is sure. He, this is the seal of God's foundation that the Lord knows who are his. And let those who have named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You cannot practice sin and be a believer. You cannot, you cannot entertain a sinful lifestyle and think that you are a Christian. The foundation of God stands sure. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Amen. So Patrick, he said, you know what? I'm sorry, I cannot do this greeting. I mean, I, I, I believe that the Lord led me to this but I mean, I, what you're asking me to do, my faith does not allow me to do it. How many of us, when we are pushed to the corner, when we are pushed to a place where you are pushed to the wall, that you feel that this is the ship, that is the means of my escape. There is no other way. In fact, there is no other ship going. This is the only ship going. And all you have to do is say a few lines, a few uh, profane words, a few uh, profane greetings, and, and, and then you'll be left on the ship. Patrick said, no, he won't do it. It was a test of faith. Your faith will be tested. Hallelujah. Amen. But amazingly, the captain said, you know what? Let him join. They still took him. He passed the test, but they still took him. Hallelujah. Amen. And, you know, he went back to England, later got trained as a priest, then he went back to Ireland, and the rest is history. The great works he did for God. But what I'm saying is that in the moments where no one is watching, where there's nobody, nobody can tell. Like that brother you know, in the Bible study group that I used to belong to, there was a sister. The brother, the brother told, told him that I like you. And, and this, what I'm talking about, 
what you and I are going to do, but Agabe doesn't, doesn't need to know about this. He said, this is just between you and me. Hey. Amen. He said, he said, look, look, it's not everything you should go and tell Brother Gilbert. <laughs> Amen. And so, and so the, 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 the brother tried to sleep with the, with, with the, with the, but the, the sister didn't do it. And the, and the sister came to tell me. Amen. I didn't confront him about it. But now when I looked at him, I said, this guy is not a correct brother. You are not a correct brother. All of us have decided that, look, we are going to remain, uh, what you call, uh, uh, celibate till we marry. It's a, it's, a, it's a decision we have all made. And you want to do a uh, 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 and then go and cheat. I mean, how about, how about, how about, how about that, that some of us? Don't you think we also have feelings? We also have feelings, but we are all keeping it under. We have put a pillow between our legs. And we have said, look, we are going to hold ourselves together. Together as a church, we are all preaching what? Celibacy. And stay away from sleeping. When you are not married to the person, don't sleep with the person. Don't even go there. Don't even start. I'm speaking to somebody here. Hallelujah. The foundation of God standeth sure. If you, if you go behind it and you go and do it, you are cheating all of the rest of us. Yeah, it's a cheating. Wendy, is it not a cheating? Let me, let me tell you something. When I was at the University of Ghana, I had a friend whose older brother went to UST, KNUST. And he and his friends made a pact, a decision. And what was the decision? The decision was that, you know what? Weddings are a bit too expensive. Amen. So, let's, among us group of friends, let's decide when it is time for somebody to get married. Do you get it? Let's use simple clothing. Let's not do a something expensive. So if it's traditional batik, let's do it. If it is a t-shirt, I mean it's a, it's a decision. So that they say let's start a movement of inexpensive weddings. Do you get it? So the first, my friends, my friend's brother, he was the first to get married. He wanted to get some common something and war. And convinced his bride also to wear something so simple. Everybody was shocked. Said, this is your wedding day. This is the day you should show. So we are trying to start a what? Inexpensive wedding movement. And part to the people. <laughs> it, it went through. The next people, people in, the, in, the, in the group, when they were getting married, they scaled it up a little bit. It wasn't like the usual, but it was a little bit expensive stuff. By the time you go to the third group, the people say, you know what? We are, we, 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 we are, we are no more part of this agreement. They, they got the normal wedding stuff. So the friends said, I feel cheated. Now I cannot go back and, and redo my wedding. You, we all agree to this thing. But you've gone behind and now you have spotted the agreement. And they say, you know what? You can do that on your anniversary. You can dress up <laughs> on your anniversary. Hallelujah. So that is one foundation. foundation is the first starting point is that you yourself know who you are and be faithful to Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3, 11. That's another foundation. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. We are talking about building the city of God. We are talking about building the church. You cannot build the church on any other foundation other than Jesus Christ. 
We cannot have somebody say, well, I'm a spiritual person. I, I, I mean, I may not go to church, but I'm a spiritual person. Or, or, or I mean, uh, like, like you have in a, you, sometimes you, go, you run into people during outreach, and they will tell you, you know what, I mean, uh, um, you, I, have, I have different, there are different approaches, there are different ways that you can get into spirituality. If you get yourself quiet and, and, and cross your legs and go, and meditate, it brings you into a higher realm of spirituality. But there is no other foundation than what is laid, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So you see that the foundation of Jesus Christ is very important. This ought not to be a problem for us believers. But the reality of the matter is that the world is changing so fast and so quickly that we are in a period where there are always alternatives. And sometimes, especially the younger generation, our minds sometimes waver. Hallelujah. And, 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 and there are people who try to convince you that Jesus is not the only way. Do you know that it's not everything that is subject to uh, what you call voting? Or subject to what you think? Some things are not subject to voting or what you think. Sometimes, some things are clear. And it is so clear that you can't change it to what you think. Amen. Like the, like the, the, the professor uh, who, who was taken to task by a philosopher and he said, this philosopher is an atheist. And this professor is a Christian. And, 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 and they, they went to lunch. And he was trying to ask him. He said, look, everything is relative. It depends on what you think. Then he asked him a question. If you are about to cross a road and a truck is coming. Okay. And the truck is, it's like the way the truck has reached. If you cross, it will hit you. At that point, at that moment, is it a question of, is it a question of your opinion? Like, it depends on what you think. Or are you going to cross? Which truth are you going to believe in? Is it your own personal truth? Or is it the truth that this truck is going to crash you? The professor said that the, the 80s philosopher, he stopped eating. He put the, 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 he was holding a spoon, stirring the soup. He put the spoon down. He said, my friend, let's go. I think you win. <laughs> because you see, when it comes to a matter of life and death, because there are many things that you can have an opinion on. But when it comes to the matter of life and death or something that affects you personally, it is no more a matter. There is, there is only one way. It's, it's either the truck or you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at this other scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. So Christ Jesus is the foundation. We are talking about mighty foundations. Having been built, the church is being built... On what? The foundation of what? The apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So I need you to get this. Because the other scripture says Jesus is the foundation. No other foundation can be laid than Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ has what? He has died. He has resurrected. He has ascended to heaven. And so there are people that the spirit of Christ is working through. Amen. And the, and, 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 the, and the people that he's building the church on, the new Jerusalem, the people who are going to belong to the new Jerusalem, he's building it on who? The foundation of who? The apostles and the prophets. Hallelujah. But it is not without Christ. Christ is the chief cornerstone. And so what you have is that we need to now, we need to now, we cannot remain in the air talking about, uh, what do you call it? Uh, imaginary things. Jesus Christ is the foundation, but now he's working through who? Apostles and prophets. These are people we can visibly see on earth. Amen. Amen. We are talking about how do we build into the new Jerusalem? How do we become part of 
the church that God is building. We know that that is where we want to be. We want to be in the new Jerusalem. We want to be part of what God is doing. We want to be part of God's agenda because there is an evil system out there we are escaping. But in helping to build this new agenda, in this new building, God has appointed some people who are what? Prophets and apostles and prophets. They become the foundation. Hallelujah. And so these apostles and prophets, they are going to do what? Prescribe some things that God is telling us to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? Yeah. And so, the apostles and the prophets, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the acts of the apostles, when you look at the work they accomplished, the two main foundations that the church was built on, that if this church in Columbus will go forward to the next stage, that these two foundations I'm going to talk about are going to be absolutely necessary because you cannot escape it. Hallelujah. Amen. It's very difficult to prepare soup without water. Without water. It's not soup. Still. You cannot prepare soup with milk. Amen. It may be American. I'm, I'm not even sure. Mushroom soup. Say, what type of soup? Broccoli soup. But it's got to have a liquid. Amen. It's got to have a liquid. There are some things that are, the French you say, sine qua non. Without which you cannot do that thing. Amen. And these two foundations are necessary for the church. And the first foundation, we are talking about mighty foundations. That the, you, see, you, see, you see, often we talk about things in general, terms, but then you need to become, come to practical level. Hallelujah. Because Jesus Christ is the foundation upon what the church is built. But Jesus is, is where? He's up in heaven. So now, he translates himself into the apostle and the prophet. That, okay, the church is built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet. What did the apostles and the prophets do in the New Testament? The first foundation is the foundation of sacrifice. Hallelujah. The foundation of sacrifice. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. You cannot have anything if you are not willing to sacrifice. You are not willing to have, you cannot have anything. If you, if you are living by yourself and you feel lonely all the time, do you get it? What are the reasons why people may get a roommate? It may be that they want a companion, want somebody, or sometimes they cannot afford the payment. Hallelujah. So maybe you don't want to say you are lonely. So let's say you couldn't afford the payment. So that's the reason why you want a roommate. So that the person comes in to help pay for the rent. Is that not so? But you see, as soon as you bring somebody to come and live with you, there's a saying that come and live with me means come and fight with me. Have you heard that expression? Eh? You have not heard that expression? Brahmiantina is Brahmiyanko. You've not heard that expression? Oh! It's an expression where I come from. <laughs> Amen! And so, and so here's the deal. The person who you are bringing to come and live with you is going to help you maybe with house cleaning, with a bill and things. But the fact that they have come, it, it, there has to be something about you you, will be willing, you should be willing to give up. I mean, you like your privacy. The way you, the way you operate, well, as soon as you finish eating, you wash the dishes. But this person has been trained in another camp. Do you get it? They, they don't do dishes immediately. It's a taboo. It's a taboo. The dishes have to turn green before you wash it. 
that is that is the, the and so 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 now in order for you to live with this person you have to sacrifice and of course you can have a discussion okay let's let's not go the green green way let's have a middle ground but if you if you want your privacy if you want your things a certain way then live by yourself you cannot have anything without a willingness to sacrifice amen for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing it's been a while since i I, i've been here preaching on sunday morning so i'm actually not in a hurry you realize i've not been looking at the time i'm not in a hurry if you have to go to work you can get up and go but I'm actually having split 30% of my message so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling free. If I, if I go and visit some other place um, where I feel there's a pressure or something, Bishop wants to preach at the place. He said after the message was over, the host pastor called him and they gave him a strong warning. Never preach like that here again. <laughs> but here I'm feeling free. Hallelujah. The message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross. Jesus Christ, whoever wants to come after me should do what? Take up your cross and follow me. But you see, the cross speaks to what? It speaks about what? Sacrifice. It speaks about suffering. It speaks about pain. Who in their right mind would invite pain and suffering? That is why it it is what? Foolishness. If you tell somebody you have to bear a little pain, you have to go through a little uh, uh, suffering for Christ, like you know, uh, Apostle um, Titus, Titus, who was a son of spiritual son of of, uh, of Paul. Do you know Titus had a Greek father and a Jewish mother, so he was like a, a half breed. Do you get it? And it is part of the part of the Jewish tradition that every male born is what circumcised. But he Titus, his father was not Jewish. So he was not circumcised when he was a baby. Are you, are you there? So by the time Paul met Titus, Titus was what? A full-grown man. And he attended to Christ and was following Paul, going around preaching with him. Hallelujah. But there came a time that Paul was about to go to Jerusalem. And he would take Titus to the temple. And I actually don't know, sister, if I don't know whether there were people in the temple who catch people and inspect. <laughs> catch people and inspect whether you've been circumcised or not, I don't know. But Apostle Paul said that he doesn't want trouble because the Jewish people, they were laying ambush. If they see a Greek person in the temple, now you are not circumcised, it's trouble. So Paul caught uh, Titus and circumcised him. I'm sure he had uh, some wanzam somewhere. I'm sure, he, uh, I'm sure, I mean, we didn't read in the Bible that Paul was himself uh, 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 Dr. Wanzam or anything like that. But, so, so it's like, as I, as I said, the Paul Paul, I, Paul told uh, Titus, you know, as a, as a Christian, we really didn't, don't have to do this because Christ, in Christ, there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. Do you get it? In Christ, there is no male, there is no female. But for the sake of my brothers, the Jewish people, they are going to harass me. There's a lot of pain you have to suffer for, for Christ. And Titus asked him, is it going to hurt? Paul said, I, I really can't answer that question because I got mine when I was a baby. So, and, and back in the day, they had not invent, invented uh, anesthesia. So, poor Titus. Before Titus could go to the temple, they, they, uh, Paul, Paul said, may God be with you. And he handed him over to the doctor, Wansam, and then Paul went to the waiting room and said, ouch, ouch, ouch. Then Titus came out like this. 
just a little worship in the temple. This is what people went through for Christ. What type of suffering are you willing to bear for Christ? What type of sacrifice are you willing to make? It is a foolishness. Nobody in their right mind will embrace suffering. Hallelujah. Amen. But there's a, there's a religion somebody started. And that religion, the preacher and founder of it, he knew he was going to be killed, but he walked and went there and gave himself up to be sacrificed. Hallelujah. And then his followers don't want at 1% of what he did. His followers don't want to sacrifice one bit. But then there's another religion that this person didn't die voluntarily by sacrifice. But he has a lot of people waiting in line to be to suicide bombers for him. Are you, are, you, are you listening to what I'm talking about? There is one religion that somebody started that he started his religion by sacrificing himself. And then he said, look, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross. Look, not everybody is going to die for Christ. The majority of us are not going to die for preaching. But, you see, there's a little suffering that we need to suffer for Christ. And if we love our skin so much that we are not willing to give anything up, we are not true followers of Christ. The other one, rather, who doesn't talk about, he himself didn't die that way. He rather has many people willing to die for their faith. Hallelujah. So the foundation of sacrifice is one of the foundations that if this church will go to the next level, and the sacrifice is not only one person going to sacrifice. Hallelujah. All of us are going to have to sacrifice something. What are the things that people can maybe call upon to sacrifice? Sacrifice your sleep. Amen. Is it possible you can sacrifice your sleep so that you can pray? Is it possible you can sacrifice your sleep so that you can rise up early on? See, people are busy Monday to Saturday. And I'm aware. I know some of you are working six days in a week. Hallelujah. Amen. But don't tell me that Sunday morning is the only time that you have to do your laundry. Don't tell me. I mean, you could do it late on Saturday night. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Or maybe you had an event that somebody invited you to. We all have friends. So Saturday night, there's an event that goes. I heard about a certain lady pastor. There's nothing like the person in this country. I heard that she does, she rises up at 4 a.m. every single day to do her quiet time and pray. And I was impressed. And I hear that it does not matter what happened the night before. She has made the appointment with God that 4 a.m. every day. So even if we attend pastors, annual pastors meeting, and the meeting closes at 3 a.m., she will still wake up at 4 a.m. and do her quiet time. That's a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Every movement thrives on sacrifice. Every church thrives. Every church thrives on the wheels of sacrifice. The big question is, what are you willing? Is it a sacrifice is something that you must feel? It's like you, you, you feel the pain. Hallelujah. If you don't feel any suffering, then it is not a sacrifice. So for some people, even shaking of hands is a sacrifice. Have you been to a function? They are greeting and then they, they, they use the, the tip of their finger like this. It's like that is a major sacrifice that they do because they say there are a lot of gems around. So that is a sacrifice they are not willing to make. That by touching somebody's hand, is, 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 gems are coming. See, but a lot of little, little things that, the, that we need to give up. Sleep is one. 
sacrificing by paying offering and tithe is another one. Hallelujah. Amen. What other sacrifice should you be willing to give? Your money, your time. Amen. Amen. Your time is important. And sometimes, not your time, but like you, you the person. You, you, the person, your availability. A lot of people, if we were to do a poll today and ask people, how many here love God? Everybody's hand will go up. The ones whose hand doesn't go up, they probably have arthritis or some, some type of pain. Amen. And then if you say, how many here want to do something for God? I doubt whether there's anybody here who is not willing to do something for God. But then when you ask the next question, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give? Because to do something for God, it is the availability factor. Hallelujah. If I hire a house help, okay, and the house help is living in the house 24-7, free accommodation, free food, what you need to do is that when I call on you, you are available. Do you get it? And I'm interviewing two people. And one person said, you know, I work very hard. When I stick my hand to do something, I give it all my best. But the only thing is that I can only work between the hours of 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. After 6 p.m., I feel a little drowsy and I need to sleep. But those three hours, I will give you my best. Do you get it? And then you have another person who says, you know what? I try to do my best. Um, there's a lot of house chores I really don't know, but I'm willing to learn. Are you listening? Yeah. I'm willing to learn. Um... I don't have any hours. Anytime you need me, I'm available. Which one would you hire? You hire the one who is available, who may not even have the skills. Hallelujah. But so long as they are available and they are open, you are willing to do what? Train them and you are willing to use them. Now, now the big problem with that is that we all have good intentions. But when it comes to the practical use of our time, we are not available. And God is saying, in order for the church to go on, Make yourself available when you are called upon for the church work. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, put your hands together unto the Lord. See, I had to tell you to clap your hands because nobody's going to clap their hands about sacrifice. Because sacrifice is not exciting. But this is the religion Christ started that the Christ religion thrives on sacrifice. Hallelujah. So that is one foundation. Let's look at this scripture. First John chapter 2, verse 15. To 17. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, the scripture is not negotiable. The thing, there are things about the scripture that you cannot change. Hallelujah. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, what is in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. In order for you to really be a person God can use, you must distance yourself from a love for the world. Hallelujah. Amen. We are in the world, but the world doesn't own you. We've talked about the lust of the flesh already. The last of the eyes and the pride of life. One main thing that lets people be able to display the last of the eyes and the pride of life is money. Amen. Because the more money you have, the more you can show off. The pride of life is about what? Showing off. Hallelujah. Sometimes, for the sake of Christ, 
you may have to choose for the sake of Christ, you may have to choose to drive a not so glamorous car, a not so expensive car. Because looking at your income, if you pay your tithe and you give offerings and you still want a brand new car straight from the factory, you can't afford it. Hallelujah. Amen. But you, many people who are not willing to sacrifice because of what? The pride of life. Because somebody will tell you, look, you've been in uh, US for how many years? 10 years and 12 years. You are still driving this, these cars. Look. Toyota, Toyota Corolla. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reliable car. It's a reliable car. Somebody want my wife. Somebody want my wife. You are going to buy a car. I don't want you to see Toyota Corolla. You Ghanaians, you like Toyota too much. <laughs> Amen. Because there are certain cars that when you are driving and you arrive, people will say, yes, this person is living the life. But you see, that, that what you need to understand is that you don't belong to this world and its agenda. So, that, so, so I'm giving you a practical example of a reason why somebody be willing to sacrifice. You are willing to sacrifice driving an old car. It can take you from A to B so that you can pay your tithe. Look, the other day I heard Bishop Dark, he was preaching to uh, somebody, uh, a church in uh, Europe. And he was telling them, look, how do you think I came here? I mean, I, came, I, didn't, I didn't crawl, I didn't get uh, st- stole my way in a ship. I flew. Yeah. How do you think that the money, what money was used to pay for the, for, for the flight? Yeah. And the Bishop Saki, what was the Bishop Saki? They didn't crawl here. He came by, by flight, by plane. Yeah. Amen. And Bishop that asked them, where do you think the money came from? It came from tithes yeah. that people are paying. So that if you are in the church, you are not willing to pay tight. Chances are that is because you are not willing to give up some, some other things. Because you see, the whole thing is about math. Okay? If you earn $100, but $50, uh, $50 is paying ca- a car payment. Okay? If you pay your tight, you can't pay your rent. And so, so, for the sake of Christ, because you see, we are talking about God is doing a short work. God is doing a short work. God is looking for people. Let me tell you, you can never outgive God. And it's not just about money. But suffer a little disdain for Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. The pride of life. Something you can do to show and boast and let people see that you too, you are, you, are, you are here. If you can give that up, you are sacrificing something. Hallelujah. So that is one mighty foundation. Second mighty foundation is the foundation of lay ministry. So the foundation of sacrifice is what is going to be needed for the church to go to the next stage. The foundation of lay ministry, the foundation of lay ministry, you will find from the early apostles that the church which is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, it was not only made up of only the apostles and the prophets working. There were lay people like you and I who were also working. This church can only go to the next stage if the ordinary church members embrace the idea of lay ministry. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? What is a lay, a lay minister, a lay person? There are people who are not being paid by the church, but they are volunteering their time to do the work of God. Amen. I mean, the people playing keyboard, playing drums, if you were to pay them, if you were to pay them. Bishop had a, a meeting in South Africa and in, in one pastor's church. And, and he said, why are the instrumentalists? They, well, they said, well, unless we pay them, they won't play. Because in that church, you pay the instrumentalist. Hallelujah. Are you there? So you see that the, the foundation of lay ministry is also linked to the, the foundation of sacrifice. Because every
everybody who is a lay minister, you are a student, you are a worker, you are doing all these things for which you are paid. But we are saying that God who saved you and gave you a name and saved your, your destiny from going to the kingdom of darkness and has brought you the kingdom of light, he sent you to give something to me for free. Hallelujah. Give me your time for free. But people are so money conscious that people want, if you are not being paid, so if somebody lives on the west side, go and pick them up. You are asking for God's money. <laughs> Amen. So the lay ministry is about doing something without being paid. You are doing it not because uh, 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 you are you're going to be paid, but because you love God. Anything that is not based on love, anything that is based on you know, um, what do you call it? You're, you're going to be paid. Sometimes you really cannot tell the genuineness of it. If somebody does something for you, like, like uh, people don't want to owe people. One day somebody came to borrow a first class stamp from me. And um, one first class stamp, uh, how much is it today? 37, is it 37? They raised it. Well, I wasn't expecting it back. I wasn't expecting it back. The person brought it back and insisted that I get it. I take it back. Because they don't want to feel like they owe you anything. Do you get it? Because that's not, the world doesn't think that way. The world operates on the basis of there's nothing that you give out for free. So even when someone is giving something to you for free, you always think that they probably have an agenda. They have something behind. As they say, there's nothing like what? A free lunch. But you see, in the church of God, there is such a thing that you can help somebody. You can live your life for others. Not necessarily because you are looking for pay. You are looking for praise. You are looking for accolade from man. But because of the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Just the same way that it is possible, possible for a brother to, in the church to help a sister and, and, and do everything that he can without an intention that is because he wants to sleep with her. Are you listening to me? You, you can give something without expecting something but for the sake of God. And so lay ministry, the foundation of lay ministry is very important for the church to move forward. Let me give you examples of lay ministers in the Bible. Did you know that Daniel in the Old Testament, he was a lay minister? Daniel the prophet, he was not even full time. He was working for the Babylonian king. Amen. The whole Daniel prophet, he was a prime minister for the, for, the, for the king of Babylon. And he was able to accomplish his work as a prophet as well. So that there's no such thing that I am too busy and I'm, I, I, what I'm doing is so important, I cannot have time for the things of God. And the New Testament, the classic example is Paul. Let's look at Acts chapter 18. We are talking about the foundation of sacrifice and the foundation of lay ministry. We want the church members to become excited and activated about the work. Amen. Amen. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain who? Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, Paul arrives in Athens. He meets who? Aquila and his wife who? Priscilla. Okay. Now, they used to live in Rome. They had been what? Evicted from Rome by the emperor. No Jews were allowed in Rome. So, they left. And they, they come to the city of Corinth. And the Bible said, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. Hallelujah. So, Paul was a tent maker. 
Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. Paul, the apostle who founded so many churches, he was a tent maker. Hallelujah. But he used the tent making to make money to fund himself in the gospel. Hallelujah. And then, and then you may say, well, Paul has been appointed as apostle. But Priscilla and Aquila, they have not been appointed. Priscilla and Aquila are like you. They are what? Tent makers. And Paul went to live with them. Later on, you're going to read other scriptures that they were, they became workers alongside Paul. Hallelujah. Let's look at uh, verse 18 of the same Acts chapter 18. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. So Priscilla and Aquila, they became companions of Paul. They were people, ordinary people who had a job. You have a job. You have a job to, know, to go to. One uh, uh, bishop invited somebody to come to church, uh, a, a meeting and, uh, here in America. And then, and then the person told, this bishop was from, from, from uh, Africa. He said, he told the, the bishop, over here, we work. It's like in Africa, when you don't have work to do, that's when you go to church. Over here, we work. <laughs> what an insult. <laughs> over here, we work. Yes, go ahead and keep on working. So Priscilla and Aquila left and they joined Paul. In the, they, they, they had work to do, but they had time for the work of God. Let's go to verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. He's talking about Apollos. The Bible says Apollos was a Christian believer and he was, the scripture said he was mighty in the scriptures. And Aquila and Priscilla, it was a husband and wife team. They were tent makers, but they were also preaching. They were also helping a young person they have found explain to him the way of God. These are clear examples in the New Testament. People who have a job. One day I took Uber. And the driver told me that he used to be a truck driver. And he said that on his, on his truck uh, business, he has trucks with him. And he was always uh, uh, preaching. Hallelujah. You see, your work must mess up with your faith. So that you cannot have a separation whereby you, 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 this is church and this is my, my life. Hallelujah. Every part of your life must be infested and invented, uh, I mean, infested with the, with the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at some more examples of people. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 and verse 1 to 4. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sancria, that you may receive her in the law in a manner worthy of sins. And assist her, he's writing a letter to the Romans. And it looks like Phoebe either was taking the letter with her or Phoebe was about to travel to Rome and Paul is introducing Phoebe to the Romans that when Phoebe comes receive her why because she's a servant she's somebody doing a work in the house assist her in whatever business she has need of you for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also hallelujah greet Priscilla and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ so it looks like at some point Aquila and Priscilla went back to Rome because now Paul is writing to the Romans. Is that not so? And now he's saying, greet them. He what does he call them? My fellow workers. Can your pastor call you a fellow worker? When you call somebody a co-worker, what does that mean? You work at, at the same, you do the same thing. Hallelujah. What is the work of a pastor? Preaching, teaching, 
counseling, visiting, interacting with the people. You, the last time you interacted with somebody in the church, you intimidated the person out of the church. Hey. Amen. That is, that is, the way you handle people even scare people out of the church. It's like somebody is gathering and you are scattering. How can we call you a co-worker? We are talking about the foundation of lay ministry that we need to change the way we think that. We see, so what we, I went to church and the whole place was empty. No, you, you, you are not contributing anything to the program. You are not, you say, well, that, I mean, today the, the worship was nice. It wasn't like la- last week, worship was better. But you see, well, I saw Sister Gertrude in the choir. I mean, put your hands together for Sister yeah. Gertrude. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But you see, there are a lot of people who don't do thing. Do you know thing? It means nada, nado, nothing. Amen. I always say that, okay, coming to church is an encouragement. But even the coming to church, you don't come regularly. It's like we can't rely on you to come regularly. Look, if you are talking about little children, having little children, there were times that my wife was working in the night. And weekday service, I would take Nathaniel and Michael and I would take them to the weekday service. Yes. You go ask Newark. Oh, I'm a man. I don't know how to handle children. Learn it. Yes. Learn it. <laughs> Learn it. Oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed that my children are running around in church. Um, and we understand it. Look, if somebody that cannot have a, a child, we will fast and pray yeah. that Lord open her womb. Yeah. So if the child has come and they come to church and they are making a little noise, are we going to complain about it? Yeah. We shouldn't complain about it. We can tolerate it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. What I'm saying is that you God, the work of God. It's not a one person. For Paul to say these are my fellow workers, it means that there were people who were supporting him. Amen. You see, you don't like my message, but I will preach it. How many times would I get a chance to come and preach? I will preach it. I'm feeling free, and this is home ground. Amen. Hallelujah. Be a fellow worker. Be a fellow worker. Let's look at these are all good examples, but there are bad examples. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Demas has what? Forsaken me. Why did Demas, when he said he has forsaken him, what, what, what used to be the case? He used to be a helper of what? Paul. He used to be one of the company of Paul. Going from place to place. Traveling. Doing things. He used to be somebody that Paul could rely on. Yep. Amen. Amen. That some work needs to be done. And, you, and when you cast your eyes from left and right, this name comes to mind. But a time came the Bible said Demas forsook Paul. Why? Why did Demas leave Paul? Having loved this present world. Many people who cannot be faithful in church is because they love this present world. And the problem is that they not, they, not that they don't love, they love Paul. And they also, how many women will be happy that your husband loves you, does everything for you, but that he also loves this other lady? No, 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 no. He gives you everything you want. He gives you everything you want. Except that he also likes this other lady. And this other lady is single. He also needs help. He also needs somebody. I mean, what, what, if the husband tells you, if the husband tells you, how can you be so wicked? I mean, you are, I'm with you all the time. And just a little time, just a little time I'm giving to this sister. Just a little time, I mean, I, I mean, a, a, a little time I'm spending with this sister and you are, you are complaining. 
small, 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 small micro. Amen. How many ladies are going to buy that BS? No, but you are greedy. You are greedy. I mean, you are, you are selfish. You are selfish. He's just trying to help her in certain areas that she needs help. You say no. But he gives you everything you want. Ah, but how can you how can you be so insensitive to other people's needs? How can you be so insensitive to other people's needs? You don't you, you don't like that. You don't like that. It's an open an open marriage. Many Christians are living an open life. Many Christians are living. Demons love this present world. I'm sure when Demas was living, he didn't tell Paul, you know, Paul, I don't like you anymore. He still likes Paul. But the thing is, which one has a more sway on your heart? The present world had a greater sway on So Demas looked at Paul in the face and said, Paul, I'm sure he was crying when he was living. Paul, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I mean, I remember when I was an unbeliever and I was with this gang and you came and preached and I got born again and I started following you. I mean, I really appreciate. I remember when I didn't have money, how you organized the church to raise an offering, my, my rent to be paid. You know, I remember all this thing you did for me. So it's not that I don't remember. But you see, Paul, life must go on. Life, you see, you see the, the, the church is not the only thing going on. I mean, look at me. I'm a young man. I mean, I need to have a life. And when I look at you, Paul, you, you decided not to marry. That's your problem. Okay? That's your problem. You decided to be a preacher. I, I, I didn't decide to be a preacher, so I followed you enough. So, Paul, I, I will see you in heaven, okay? I will see you in heaven. He said bye-bye to Paul very sadly because he loved this present world and went to Thessalonica. I don't know what was, what was in Thessalonica. I don't want you to be a Demas. I want you to be a Timothy or a Titus. I want to be a, a person who is willing to be a worker in the house of God. Hallelujah. Somebody is saying that exactly what work are you talking about? Because we are talking about what? The work of God, the work of God, the work of God. Every stage of the church, every stage of everything you are doing, that is what is most important. Hallelujah. I mean, if you are preparing soup and you already have all the ingredients, do you get it? But at the time you are about to start cooking, what do you call it? The, the, the power to the stove is off. The breaker, you need somebody to go where? To the basement and turn the breaker back on. That is what we need. We don't need tomatoes at that time. We need somebody to go and turn the power on. Hallelujah. And I'm going to read a scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. And I'm going to tell you one thing that this church needs more people to help in. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 10 and verse 11. We are talking about the foundation of sacrifice and the foundation of lay ministry. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. The Lord God or Christ shall come with a strong hand. Jesus is the head. We are the body. So why is his, why are his hands? It's us. He will come with a strong hand. His arm shall root for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. What is the work God wants to do in the church in Colombia? What work is God looking to do? He will do what? Feed his flock like a shepherd. Hallelujah. Yes. Are you paying attention? Yes. He is what? 
feed, going to feed his flock like what? A shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm. Amen? Amen. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Hallelujah. So the work of God, as we know it in Lord House, we have the PVCI acronym for the work of God. Prayer, visitation, counseling, and interaction. But here's another one that Bishop later talked about as what, how we can define the work of God. Okay? It is feed, gather, carry, lead. Go with me. Feed, gather, carry, lead. Once again, feed, gather, carry, and lead. Feed is like teaching. And the teaching is not only for the one standing in the front and teaching. You must yourself get in the word of God. And you must be one of the people who help the pastor counsel people. Somebody is going nuts. Somebody is angry. You bring a verse. You bring a verse. You feed. You, you, you help somebody heal. Someone is angry with the church. Someone is uh, upset that people didn't attend their, uh, a lot of people didn't attend their, what do you call it, uh, event, and they're upset about it. You bring a verse and you feed them. You help them calm down. You help them sit up. Hallelujah. Amen. And then gather. You help gather people for church. Hallelujah. Amen. We are talking about the foundation of lay ministry. I'm defining for you practically what you can do to help this church grow. Amen. Amen. What are you going to do? You are going to feed people. You are going to do what? Gather people. Yeah. Where am I going to find them? Well, let's start with yourself. Okay. First of all, gather yourself. When it is when is a day that the church is meeting, gather yourself. Gather your bones. Yes. Gather your what? Your head and your legs. Hey. Whatever you've laid them, gather it and arrive. Yes. So you start by gathering yourself. Self. Feed, gather, carry, and lead. Amen. But after you've gathered yourself, now you can gather people. God is looking for people to gather. He said, like a shepherd, he will gather his flock. Now, God is a spirit, and he, we are his hands. Hallelujah. One of the main things this church need, we need gatherers. I will just tell you right off the bat. We need what? Gatherers. We need people to help gather people for church. We need to gather existing church members, as well as what? Other people who are not members of the church yet. When something is going on in the church, in fact, every Sunday something is going on. Every Sunday is a special service. It doesn't have to be a day that a visiting minister has come. Every Sunday is a special service. You must engage yourself in gathering people. Hallelujah. And if you know somebody who wants to stand for church, they don't want to come, make it a point that, look, we are all tired. We all went to this program where Saturday night. We are all tired. This morning we are all going. You need to have people arise and say, you know what? Look, we played this game for far too long. Oh. Now we are growing. Amen. Amen. One day I was with my brother and we were deciding what are we going to eat for lunch. And I said, let's go and uh, get a plantain, ripe plantain and, and cook beans. My brother said, Kofi, we are growing. We've been eating plantain and beans in school. Right now we are growing. <laughs> we have to move to higher things. <laughs> so, so, so at that point, you have to tell yourself, we are growing. This, this, this idea of uh, we have to we have to convince you to, to right now it's like we don't have to talk for too long i am going to be part of the gathering say i will be a gatherer i will be a gatherer i will tell people about god i will tell people about the church i will actively invite people to come to church i will gather people not just once i will gather people of i will make it my lifestyle i will be a gatherer 
Some of the people you are gathering, they don't have legs. I mean, they don't have a right. So the next one is what? Carry. Some of them, you have to carry them. Hallelujah. We are talking about engaging in an activity that has lasting benefit. Hallelujah. Do you know when people are organizing a program, the strength that comes. I mean, people who, don't, who are always busy don't have time for any church work, don't have time to gather people. When it is time to organize their own personal event, a certain anointing comes on them. You'll be surprised how much people have energy. I mean, uh, uh, even the chairs in their house is not enough. They can gather chairs from another place. Uh, uh, Louis Center and bring it. Amen. Are you listening to me? So it's a question of where your heart is and where you are. If people say, I don't have, I don't have money, but for something they will have money. Hallelujah. And so what I'm saying is that where you choose to apply your efforts, suddenly the energy will come. And so I want every member of the church to consciously make it a plan that I will be a gatherer. Otherwise, we are only going to come and look at each other's faces. Not that we don't like, we like each other. But at the point, the same people is what we are going to be seeing. Hallelujah. And then if somebody gets married, somebody from outside comes to marry somebody, and then they will go. You have to now, if, if the increase in the church is going to be based on, it's going to be based on somebody marrying and bringing the person here. Please keep in mind that it can also go the other way. That people can marry and also go. Hallelujah. And so, we have to actively be looking for people after God. And we have to actively be engaged in carrying people. And you need to you need to make it a point that what we are about is what? My father's business. Hallelujah. It's not anybody's business. It's God's business. Like I told you about the guy that people were talking about his uncle. And, 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 and he rose up. He said, what are you talking about? Do you know my uncle? You see, he took ownership. We are looking for us to take ownership. This is your church. Say, this is my church. This is my own church. So we have feed, gather, carry, and lead. So there are some people you need to lead. You need to lead them gently. He said, lead those who are with young. You see, there's a way you lead. Somebody who is a newer member of the church, there's a way you talk to them. There's a way you relate with them. Hallelujah. Maybe you invited somebody to church, and uh, maybe you said 10.30. They came at 10.30, and there's, there's only five people there. Okay, and then they talk to you about it. That's the way you talk to them. Don't say, Well, you know, hmm, we've been working on this forever. I mean, this church, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what, 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 what these people are not serious. She won't, she won't come again because you've already shown them the whole dirty laundry. Hallelujah. Somebody went to a church, they were invited to a church. He arrived at the church. The person who invited them to the church was. On the uh, what do you call it uh, keyboard then there was one person doing projector and then there was the one leading praise and worship the person was leading praise and worship and the one who was invited is the only member she says hey that this is your church you've been talking about talking about so I'm, I'm the audience and the one who was preaching he was taking an offering taking tithes it's like preaching with so much strength later this guy became a pastor in in england and he was testifying that he said, he, said, he said he was so moved by how these people can be serious about something that looks like nothing. And so he decided to bring his friend. Look, I found a bunch of crazy people. They said they are doing church. And when I went to the church, I am the church member. The only church member. Now he's a pastor with 300 members. 
Hallelujah. I want us to have a vision. The grace that we share. Let it not just be a grace we share. Let's have a vision. And everybody is going to decide that I am going to do something different. Hallelujah. I am when you attend some of this workshop, then they will ask, What different thing are you going to do as a result of attending this workshop? In conclusion, let me tell you this. Your invitation to work for God is your opportunity to escape the ominous, insidious, evil, spiritual world system that is called Babylon. Don't think you are doing anybody a favor. Don't ever think you are doing anybody a favor. Your protection and your own blessing lies in putting your hand in the plow and helping build the church of God. Stand up to your feet. I want you to begin to pray and ask God for grace to come upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, our sovereign Messiah, Lord of lords and King of kings. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are in our midst, you don't know Christ. You have never taken the step of becoming born again. With every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to lift up your hand because what we are doing is spiritual holy work. And God is interested in you as an individual. The Bible says that Christ died for all. The Bible says that the free gift of what? God is eternal life. The Bible says that God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. This gift can be yours if you will embrace Christ. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We appreciate you, most high God. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now I want the church to see after me. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my Lord, that Christ died for me according to the scriptures. That he rose again from the dead to make me righteous. I choose Jesus. I choose to follow him all the days of my life. I give up my own agenda. I choose his own agenda to live for him and to be an example in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may take your seats. We are going to take our second offering and our tithes. If you brought your first and best, stand up to your